You're listening to Reimagined Radio. Real talk, real life, real magic. Welcome to the Reimagined Radio Astro Show, where brain science meets astrology and the law of attraction. I'm your host, Janet Dalgleish. Please join me to find out why your astrology matters, what it has to do with your brain, and how to wrap the whole thing up in law of attraction. Because once you know this stuff, it becomes so much easier to live a life that is joyfully resonant with who you truly are. Hi everyone, welcome to the show. This is Janet. I'm so excited to be here. I I was supposed to be on air last week and I had to cancel because I had literally no voice. (laughs) But I'm glad to say I'm back on the air. I'm back with a voice. And today I'm going to talk to you all about Uranus. This is the champion of your personal rebel alliance. Uh, And I want to start by saying um, a little bit about the history of Uranus, about the planet and about the mythology of where Uranus comes from uh, and uh, um, and, and just to sort of set the framework for why why I think he's so important in our astrological chart. Um, So the planet Uranus was uh, the sixth planet discovered. The ancient Greeks and Romans knew all about the five wandering stars, as they called them, the five planets that we can see with the the naked eye. So that's Mercury, Venus, Mars, Saturn and Jupiter. And in the 18th century, modern science, Western science, discovered Uranus. I'm not saying that, that, that it wasn't there before, but that was the first time that modern science had acknowledged that there was a sixth planet in the solar system. And there was some debate initially about what to call this planet. <clears throat> and the, um, the consensus was that uh, eventually that uh, this planet should kind of follow in the sequence that had gone before. And this refers back to the mythology a little bit. So Venus, Mars and Mercury are the children of Jupiter in the Olympian god, god's system, the system of the deities. Well, actually, uh, sorry, those, those are the Roman names for the Greek gods. Um, Jupiter was the child of Saturn, or in his older um, in nomenclature, he was previously known as Cronus. And Cronus was the child of Uranus. And Uranus was um, the, known as the father sky. So he's a primordial god. He kind of predates the Greek gods, he predates the Titans who were the previous generation. He goes back even further. So he's kind of like the ancestor of all of the modern, quote unquote, the modern um, Greek gods and goddesses. And uh, so he was father sky, father heaven, and he was married to mother earth, Gaia. And they had a, they had a marriage but they, and they had lots of children. But he hated his children. He, he didn't like his children. So he instructed Gaia to bury them under the earth. And she, did, she was not happy about that. <laughs> so she instructed her children to rebel. And it was Cronus, now known as Saturn, who was the one that he was the youngest of them. And he was the one that was the brave enough. He was the only one who was brave enough to overthrow his father. So Saturn was, was the one who overthrew Uranus. And subsequently, he himself was overthrown by his own children. So there was a kind of rhythmic um, repetition of events that went through these um, very long periods of times in in these mythological stories. So when the... um, when the modern scientists were looking for a name for this sixth planet, it, it seemed obvious to them that we begin with the, the inner planets, which are the current generation, the children of the gods, if you like, Mercury, Mars and Venus. And then we have Jupiter, who's father of the gods, the modern gods. <clears throat> and then before that, we have Saturn or Cronus. 
and before that we have Uranus, uh, the father sky. So Uranus in this role of father sky, the god of the sky of skies and the heavens, he has a really interesting relationship to the rest of the gods. This is the this is one of the planets that is considered generational, because the the inner planets or the five the five earlier more early known planets have relatively fast orbits, which means that they pass through the through the uh, zodiac quite quickly. So Sun goes through the zodiac once a year. Uh, uh, Mercury is similar. Uh, Mars is every two years. Jupiter's 12 years, takes Jupiter 12 years to go through the full zodiac. Uh, Saturn is the slowest of all of these inner planets, and he takes about 30 years to go through the cycle. When it comes to Uranus, this takes 84 years to go through the cycle. So it's very, it's quite unusual to be around when Uranus comes back, although it's getting more usual as we live longer. It's kind of unusual for, you, for us to be around as Uranus gets back to the point where he was in the sky when we were born. So that means that wherever Uranus is in the sky at the moment of your birth, whatever sign he's in, it's likely that you are going to share that with the other people in your generation. So this has a sort of, this is what we call a generational planet. It's a, it's a, a slightly different impact from the, um, the inner planets, the more personal planets. Uh, and what's really fascinating to me about Uranus is what he represents in terms of your psyche. He represents your inner rebel. He is that part of your psyche which says, got to do it my way, got to do it now. And this kind of relates back to this sense of him as, you know, that father sky who was, who wanted his things his way. He wasn't interested in what his children wanted. He wasn't interested in what anybody else wanted. He just wanted things his way. Um, and that, I think, comes through in this sense of Uranus as our inner rebel. It's, it's the part of us that allows us to actually take action on things that matter to us. <clears throat> so I'm going to tease this out a little bit more because it can, you know, there, there are some things that Uranus, it see, seems like he has in common with other planets. And that's true. You know, they, they sort of overlap in terms of how they work together and how they, they um, collaborate. Uh, but I want to remind everybody listening and myself, because sometimes I can fall into this, into this illusion, my own self, that the stars do not dictate who we are. They simply reveal who we were when we arrived on the planet. So when we come to look at the planet Uranus, there are two things we're going to look at as we look at with any chart. We look at the sign that Uranus is in. But what's more interesting, because that's a sign that's for the generation, what becomes more interesting for a personal, um, we're looking at the personal chart, is the house that Uranus sits in. And that indicates the area of life where we are most likely to express this sense of I've got to try it my way. Because here's the thing about Uranus. Uranus is very forward-looking, uh, not really interested in the status quo, not interested in things staying the same forever, wants to explore, wants to explore new possibilities. So Uranus is all about innovation. Uh, he's associated with technology, with you know technological advances and inventiveness. Similar to Mercury, Mercury is also associated with inventiveness. But this is on a, this is on a sort of more societal scale. Um, so when we're flowing that really positive relationship with our own Uranus, that, that, our own sense of that part of our psyche, we'd be looking at areas like enlightenment, the search for enlightenment, the quest for knowledge, progressiveness, a sense of objectivity. We're not kind of caught up in the past. We're capable of 
of examining something objectively and assessing it and saying, do I like that? Is that for me? Um, there's a sense of novelty. There's a real uh, liking for novelty and liking for new shiny things and a, and a liking for ingenuity, clever solutions. When we aren't honoring our inner Uranus, and this can happen, and I'll talk about that in a minute, what we may end up with is something that looks a bit more like rebel without a cause, a kind of a, an irresponsible desire to just break everything without really caring what the consequences are. It's a sort of kicking down, kicking down everything, not just kicking down the things that we don't want to have in our lives anymore, but that kicking down of everything. And that can happen when we haven't been honoring that spirit of rebellion. Because this is the spark that kind of inspires further investigation, further questioning. So it, it, doesn't, it doesn't simply listen to the accepted wisdom of the masses or the collective and go along with it. Uranus wants to, doesn't want to blend in in that way. Uranus wants to stand on his own two feet. Uranus wants to have his own opinion and he wants to be, a, he wants to be the one to form that. So there's this sense of questioning. Um, and this kind of brings us back around to uh, the, 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 the way that we see Uranus played out in the zodiac chart as the ruler of Aquarius. So Aquarius is a really interesting sign to look at. And, uh, and it, I think for me anyway, it helps me to understand Uranus when I look at the sign of Aquarius and see how that is expressed in, in, in the world. So if you, look at the, um, if you look at the image that represents Aquarius, what you see is it's usually a human figure, male or female, uh, it's carrying a, a container full of water. So it's a jug or a pitcher or a bowl sometimes. And this figure is on the bank of a body of water. So it's on the riverbank or it's beside a pool or a stream. And it's pouring that water into the stream, into the body of water. And there's a strong representation here of the nature of Aquarius, which is to gather knowledge, gather concepts, gather ideas, find, do the exploring and bring that back to the collective. And Aquarius doesn't do it by standing in the body of water. Aquarius does it from the banks. So it's, it's, it's feeding that, those new ideas, those new inventions, those new innovations to the collective, but not doing it as something that is immersed in the collective. So it's doing it from that position of being separate from the collective, being uh, it's a much more of a leadership kind of role in that situation. And this, to me, is the strength of Uranus. It, it's Uranus's ability to say, let's just hold on a minute. I'm not going to just simply do things this way because that's what everybody else does. I'm going to understand what I prefer. I'm going to explore. And then I'm going to feed that back to the collective. You know, there's this potential for becoming an inspiration to the collective by standing on his own two feet, his or her. Obviously, we all have Uranus somewhere in our chart. Standing on our own two feet and standing in this, in this sense of, clarity and independence about our own preferences <clears throat> and Uranus is the one that then helps us to live that so Uranus kind of refuses to become one of the herd and this is why it's so important to be in touch with your inner Uranus your inner you know the champion of your personal rebel alliance it's because when you are honoring your own uh, your own subversive desire to do things your own way, when you're in touch with that, it's almost like a higher octave, if you like, a higher incarnation of the god Mercury. I, I've spoken before about how 
Mercury, one of, one of Mercury's roles is to be the ruler of boundaries. Well, Uranus helps us to do that, helps us to actually get really clear about our boundaries and then helps to um, fuel them, helps to, um, uh, supported by Mars, who's a healthy aggression. Uranus is the one that can say, no, this is the line in the sand. We don't go beyond that. I'm really clear about this. When Uranus is not honoured, when we have a gut reaction that says, that thing is not for me or that thing is what I want and we ignore it and we ignore that inner rebel, that's when things can get messy because Uranus can become a really major troublemaker. He can upset the apple cart. He can, in his attempt to get us um, centred in what we want, he can make us rebel and kick things aside that actually are quite harmless to us. You know, he can turn us into uh, a kind of... Um, uh, as I said, a rebel without a cause, somebody who is, uh, a, a, we, we end up catching ourselves doing a kind of defiant behavior where we just want to burn everything in sight. We don't care about the damage we cause. We don't care about what might happen afterwards. We have no plan. We just want to kick it all down. When we hear that, when we find that at play, it's an indication that, that there has been some deep desire that we have not been listening to. There's some deep part of us that has not been honored. And it's Uranus's job in a way to kind of draw our attention to it if it's gone that far. Ideally, we get self-aware and we know what our urges are, we know what our values and our desires are long before Uranus gets to that stage. And having said that, <clears throat> Uranus can definitely be the one to kick down the fences and upset the apple carts in the interest of getting what we want. In a moment, I want to talk a little more about the specifics of how we manage our relationship with Uranus and how he relates to some of the other planets. Um, but uh, just for the moment, let's uh, pause and have a, have a little um, ad break. Some people think that the stars dictate who we are or even what will happen to us, but nothing could be further from the truth. You are the boss of you. And your stars simply reveal your most radiant and potent self. If you'd like to know exactly what they have to say, visit loastarmap.com and find out how I can help. So I want to reflect on something that my I want to reflect on something my dear friend Kim Falconer said. Um, she talks about Uranus as being the god of unexpected change. And I think this is a great, this is a perfect way of describing Uranus. It, there is that sense of, you know, if we've been looking to something, looking for something, we may very often find it coming to us in really unexpected ways. And there are two ways we can deal with that. One is to resist change at all costs because it's scary. And the other is to get really comfortable with that change. And there's a couple of things we can do in order to help manage our relationship to change because because Uranus is such an agent of change in our psyche, in our charts, if we know how to feel comfortable with change, it makes that journey much easier and it gives us a much better um, shot at managing that relationship with Uranus and how Uranus plays in our world. Um, so one of the, again, Jeanette Moore um, has a fabulous uh, a strategy for this, which I really, really like, which is to intend delightful surprises. So anytime I'm looking at my own chart and I know that there's something Uranian coming up, there's going to be a, um, either if, if my solar return, for example, 
indicates that Uranus is going to be the, the, the first planet to rise above the horizon after my birthday, I know that that's a year in which the energy of unexpected change is likely to be more active. And so by setting an intention at the beginning of that year on my birthday that I am in for a succession of delightful surprises, it does two things. It sends a really clear message to the universe to say, Universe, I know I'm in for some surprises. I would like them all to be delightful. Thank you very much. And it also helps me to teach my brain that even though there might be changes coming that I can't foresee, that I am safe. These changes are going to be lovely. I'm going to really enjoy them. So this, is, this kind of brings me around to one of the aspects of Uranus that I think is um, really uh, fascinating to look at from the brain perspective, brain science perspective. And that is that um, this notion of change, our brains are wired to be wary about change. Our brains love variety. They like things to be mixed up a bit. They like a bit of variety, but they're also wired to be wary of change. And that's because for our ancestors, change was potentially lethal. You know, a change in the, a change in the local climate, which changed the animal, you know, the, the, the makeup of the um, fauna and flora in the area, could potentially mean we'd starve to death. Uh, a, a change in the makeup of our tribe, you know, if, if there was a sickness and a large number of people died, that major change would be potentially lethal for the rest of the tribe if, we, if, if the tribe became too small to, to be sustained. There are all kinds of reasons why our brains are cautious about change. And in a modern context where change feels highly accelerated, we're seeing new inventions, new things happening all the time. We're seeing major changes happening in geopolitical circles. All of these things can make our brains feel like the ground is shifting under our feet and, and it feels unsafe. And this is merely to do with the way that our brains are, you know, their first primary job is to keep us safe. So <clears throat> when it comes to thinking about these Uranian changes that might be on the horizon or how we deal with that, Uranian desire for change, one of the ways we can do that is to tr retrain our brain to say change is not always scary, uh, to say that we can trust ourselves to surf the wave of whatever change is coming, even if in the process of surfing that wave we may swallow a little water. Uh, it's helping our brains get on board with the idea that these, um, these changes that might be coming or this Uranian impact in our lives, that it's like a, it's, it's a fun ride rather than a terrifying thing to be afraid of. So some of the things that you might, um, some of the specific strategies you could use is things like I'm intending delightful surprises today. You could do that as part of your morning ritual. You could do things like um, practice an affirmation such as universe has my back or I am safe right now. Uh, or you could even make a specific affirmation about this is going to be the best ride ever. <laughs> you can make it really positive and really embrace it. Uh, and when we do that, what, what happens is that we are then far more willing to listen to that inner Uranus voice, that, that inner rebel that says, you know what, just because the, the, the majority of people are doing it that way, I'm going to do it this way. I'm going to do it my way. Because that's what Uranus is, is saying, basically, my way or the highway. If I, don't, if I can't do it my way, then I'm not interested in doing it at all. And Uranus really helps us to, um, when we are ready to embrace him, he helps us to really get on board with that sense of, 
I have to do it my way. Because at the end of the day, if we want to be truly aligned with our own best good, we have to be willing to do it our own way. So it doesn't matter what technique or tool or process you might have be, you might be playing with that you might have learned from a teacher or a guru or whoever. At some point, you have to be able to adapt it and use it in your own way. This is uh, and and uh, because if you don't, obviously at some point your anus is going to go. Well, you know, screw this for a game of soldiers. I'm off. I'm going to go and play with something else. And we find ourselves flitting from thing to thing to thing instead of really taking a deep dive and making that thing our very own. So how does Uranus know what is my way? This is where it gets really interesting, I think, is where we look at how Uranus can partner up, um, especially with, um, I'm particularly interested in how Uranus partners up with Venus because uh, very often uh, we look at how Uranus operates and how Venus operates and they seem to be at odds. And I think the secret source is figuring out where they are, where they can ally, where they can ally together. So Uranus is all about spaciousness, independence. Um, he doesn't want to get caught up in somebody else's uh, way of doing things. He wants to set his boundaries really far apart. Don't fence me in. I'll create my own fence to keep you out. That's fine, but don't you dare fence me in. Uh, it's about spaciousness and, and, and that sense of uh, freedom, hugely um, about freedom. And then we look at Venus, and Venus is about intimacy and closeness and relationship and um, a coming together, collaboration, partnership. And it would seem that these two are at odds. When we look at those two dynamics, it would seem that they are at odds. And that is what it can feel like. You know, if you've got a strong placement in your chart to do with Uranus and Venus, so perhaps you have um, Venus square Uranus in your chart or whatever it might be, it can feel like there's a kind of tug of war going on. You know, one minute you want to be, Pink has a wonderful song that sums it up, it's that sense of, uh, I really want to be close with you and then the minute we get close, I just want you to go. <laughs> I just want you to leave. If you leave, I'll, I'll love you even more and then I want you back again. <clears throat> and it can feel like we're ping-ponging back and forth between this desire for freedom and this desire for closeness, this desire for spaciousness and this desire for intimacy. And where I think we get the, where I think we get, we find our, um, our way through this paradoxical maze or this paradoxical dance is when we look at what they have in common. Um, Venus, the, all of the things that Venus, if you've listened to my episode on Venus, you kind of understand this, but what Venus is really seeking to do is seeking to help us understand what we value. And she does that by helping us understand who we like to hang out with, she rules relationship. What we, what we like, she rules beauty. So what do we find beautiful? She rules our core values and our money. What do, we, what do we value? So in all of this, Venus is looking at what do we value? What's important to me? When it comes to Uranus, Uranus is saying, and now I want to live that value. I want to live those values. So Venus knows, Venus helps us to know what we value. Uranus helps us to live that. Without Venus in the mix, Uranus can become that rebel without a cause because he knows there's something wrong, there's something that needs to change, but he's not sure what direction to take the change in. He wants to set a boundary, he wants to make a fence that's far out to give him spaciousness, but he doesn't actually know how to define that boundary. He doesn't know how to um, 
uh, how to decide what is kept inside and what, what we're going to keep and what we're going to ditch. And it's through Venus that he begins to understand that. So the invitation here really is to find a way to honour both Venus and Uranus. And in terms of honouring Venus, I've spoken about that before in my um, episode about Venus. But it's things like honouring what we find beautiful, honouring uh, what we value. When it comes to Uranus, it's a question of listening to that. So when we get that urge, when we get that sense of irritation or frustration with something because it's too close or it's, it's, it doesn't feel quite right for me or I just want to, it, it's irritating me, then it's our opportunity to listen to that inner rebel, listen to that champion of our personal rebel alliance and then take whatever action we need to take in order to restore those boundaries, in order to make it my way and find a way to do that that feels comfortable, that, that makes, means we feel comfortable with the change. Because whenever we've got Uranus taking those kind of actions, that part of our psyche standing up for our own values, if we haven't been doing that in the past, it's likely to result in change. And we better get on board with the idea that we can embrace that change and we can safely surf that ride because we don't want to get caught up in a sense of, uh-oh, Uranus is at play, I'm in trouble now. <laughs> it's much more much more effective if we can say "Ooh, Uranus is at play there's something coming up for me there's some opportunity coming up for me to really express who I am even more than I have before to get even more clear about my boundaries to get even more clear about what I value and that's an opportunity to talk to Venus and find out what that is so that she can help fuel this Uranian claiming of your own subversive rebellious perfect self I hope this all makes sense to you. Um, if you have any questions about Uranus, I would love you to come and find me on my Facebook page and, uh, and start a dialogue because I, it's one of my favourite planets to look at. And, um, uh, and uh, as ever, um, if, you, if you're interested in having me look at your chart, I'm more than happy to do that. Thank you so much. I've absolutely loved talking about Uranus today. Like I said, one of my favourite, one of my, I think my middle name might be subversive. <laughs> so anytime anything comes up that has this element of subversion to it, I absolutely love it. And yes, sometimes I'm, you know, my brain is wired like my ancestors. Sometimes it scares the pants off me and that's okay because the universe has my back just as it does yours. Thanks so much everybody for being on the call today and um, uh, I look forward to the next episode in a couple of weeks. Bye.